Hello and welcome to another episode of Stream Wars, our thought leader series, where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the convergent TV space. Hosted by Michael Beach. Today I'm joined by Sam Bloom. Sam is currently CEO at Camelot Strategic Marketing and Media. Uh, Camelot, fantastic agency based in Dallas. Uh, they recently celebrated 40 years of business, which you know anybody that's uh, started an agency knows you know kind of how big of an accomplishment that is. Uh, Sam and I cover a ton of interesting topics, including uh, you know innovative ways that they use customer data. Also, he has this really interesting concept around de-averaging, which I love. Um, I recently gave a talk about how indexes and averages are hurting media planning, uh, which kind of falls directly in line with this. So you're going to love our talk, and uh, please enjoy my conversation with Sam Bloom. Well, Sam, welcome to Screen Wars. Thank you very much, Michael. Super stoked to be here. Excellent. Well, when we get started, uh, would you mind giving our audience a little bit of background on uh, Camelot and kind of the specific problem you solve? Got it. So Camelot, we are uh, in the business of media, but we're, we position ourselves as strategic marketing and media. Um, generally, we work with sort of large, you know, complex advertisers, um, you know, that need, um, you, you know, an integrated kind of approach to, to marketing, you know, everything from, you know, the media to me is, the, is in the caboose because that's the easiest piece that we do, but it's data, tech, measurement, uh, planning. Um, and so, you know, we're in the business to help advertisers grow their businesses. Very simple. And kind of, you know, cover the gamut of kind of all ad types or any, any kind of specialty? Uh, all forms of paid media. Um, I would say, you know, look, I mean, I, I think uh, one is we're agnostic. That's the first piece. And we generally let the data drive us to what the execution is. <clears throat> that being said, kind of the data that we're sort of obsessed with at the moment is, you know, what's happening in consumption of, you know, TV, CTV, digital video. You know, that's an area of particular interest and an area where we're sort of arming up um, because we think that's the area of kind of greatest change at the moment. And how, you know, you just celebrated your 40th anniversary, um, which is awesome. I mean, um, as a kind of recovering agency founder, uh, it's just such an impressive feat. So obviously you, you had a very, you know, big footing in kind of traditional media, uh, but moving into this kind of integrated view, uh, again, another great accomplishment. How, um, kind of where are the integration points with your team? Is it you kind of cross-screen people or just individual teams that collaborate? That's a great question. So one is, you know, when first of all, when people ask me about running an agency business, it's actually not one business. It's usually 30 plus business pieces of business. So it's not, you can't just say everything is, you know, one thing. Let me start at the beginning, kind of Camelot's inception. So the founder came out of P&G and came to Dr. Pepper 7-Up, which was based in Dallas. And, you know, as he'll tell you, you know, after a couple of years, you know, got ceremoniously beheaded and and eventually started the agency. And, and sort of his original view, and this is in the early 80s, his original view was that the same, there, there, he wasn't seeing the same care and love for media that we, we put on creative. And he felt that there needed to be you know, objectivity first. Um, second, you know, you wanted sort of seasoned practitioners running the media campaigns. And then the last piece, it should be very customer focused. And so um, that's really the roots of the agency. It's, I always say you were sort of rooted in very classic package goods, 
you know, you know, marketing mentality, which is about understanding customers, understanding competitors, understanding marketplaces. You know, when I got here 20 years ago, I, I was traded from Blockbuster to uh, the agency for a player to be named that has never been named. Um, but what I was sort of astounded was, I mean, having gone through, you know, agency land, business school and all these things, the things I was seeing at Camelot was that it was very uh, tactile in terms of the way they were analyzing our clients' businesses. And I remember distinctly in my first week here, you know, we had a room called the Star Trek room where we would do all of our customer analysis. And I remember Southwest, they were plotting Southwest customers in and around airports and so forth and all around the country. And I remember, you know, sort of thinking, well, why are they doing that? And w the reason they were doing that is that, you know, in many of the most competitive markets, there are multiple airports. And so, you know, if you live closer to an airport, uh, you're more likely to go to that airport and be more loyal to those airlines. And so, you know, when I, when I think about Camelot, it all starts with that customer analysis piece. And what I would sort of say to you, I think that's the one thing that's rather unchanged over 40 years. Our best clients from the beginning give us their data and let us understand not only who the customer is, but understand, you know, the business, um, the loyalty of the customer, the different product lines or services. Um, you know, we understand the nuances. We try to understand the competitors. And I think what is different from yesteryear, you know, we, we, would, we might analyze a business and you might go, oh, wow, there are eight DMAs that really over-index and in these other, you know, 20 DMAs, they're okay. And then these other, you know, handful of DMAs, they're well under-indexed. But the answer was always sort of national media or local media. And you had a binary choice. Today, that's not the situation. And I would sort of say, think about, the, you know, that sort of approach in today's media world. Now we can buy media and really you know, be very prescriptive about where we want the impressions to fall relative to the opportunity. And I think that's what's so interesting. So in some ways, I think retaining that piece of Camelot really important. What is as equally as important is just making sure that we're, we are current to where our clients' customers are consuming media. And so that's the activation piece. And we're constantly refining that piece of it. And I think that's more like a fashion business where, you know, we just have to make sure we understand that there's big scaled mediums where we can go execute media in a way where the impressions can fall against the most important targets in the places that matter most. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. I mean, the, the, the uh, DMA piece is so key. I think people, like I said, miss out on a lot by looking at um, kind of everything so binary. But, uh, you know, just, you know, even look at the local level, people, you know, business is breaking away from market level to even, you know, cluster of zips. I mean, that's a, um, you know, we feel like a pretty next, you know, obvious next step for people. There's no question. And look, I mean, you know, and that was one of Tom's philosophies back then was that he felt that people were building top down media plans versus bottom up medium plans. And I think we like to do bottom up media plans. Um, and I think you view the world very differently when you do things from the bottom up versus top down. And so, you know, in the, in the world that we live in today, you know, the answer always used to be, you know, here's a national TV ad or here's a national radio ad or, you know, whatever, something along those lines. 
that's not really, I mean, for a bulk of the key demos that our clients are trying to reach or the key customers, I mean, that's not the answer because they're just not consuming the same way that they did 10 years ago, you know, or even 15 years ago or 20 years ago when I got here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a real advantage to see the world that way. I think um, the other piece is it, it's an area in which you can bond with the client around data. And there's, there's, there could be very little disagreement uh, around who the customer is, where they are. You know, now you can have different strategies. You can certainly go after, to your point, you want to go after under-indexing markets? Great. That's a strategy. You want to go after over-indexing markets? Great. That's a strategy, too. So you can argue about that, but, you know, the facts of the business are something that everyone can agree on, and it's an instant opportunity to get a head nod from a client on kind of what's on the chessboard. And I think that's really important. What So working with customer data, what's the integration point with your team? Because knowing that a lot of their, um, you know, your media partners wouldn't have access to that information. So obviously that gives you a pretty good advantage, but where do you kind of integrate at the team level? It's a good, good question. So one is, that I would say there's multiple ways that we bring in customer data. And there's some simple ways, and then there's more complex ways. Um, the simplest one is someone sends us a customer file with address and zip. We like that. I mean, it's old school, but it's pretty good. Now, um, if a client happens to have an email address, that's interesting, too, because we have other tools that we can upload the email addresses into, and, you know, the standard tools, the TransUnions, the experience, you name it, we can append. And um, it's ideal when a client sends us the whole thing with revenue, sales, demand centers, you know, any other important flags. And then we can kind of do our magic on it. Um, we have a big data warehouse in, at Snowflake. Um, we use Alteryx and Tableau. We've got a bunch of very talented data scientists and visualization people, and they help us surface those kinds of insights that you might not see if you just plainly looked at the data. Once we have the data in-house and you've uh, appended the data, then you can bridge that data to tools like MRI. You can bridge tools to Resonate, um, tools like that. You can, you can even work with some of your publisher partners. You know, you can upload the data into, uh, say, a CTV provider that also has ACR data. So, you know, again, there's a full gamut of tools at our disposal, and a lot of it depends on the willingness of the client to be able to kind of let, let you go there and let the data sort of take you there. And I think it's a little bit like pulling a thread. Um, and when you pull on that thread long enough, you can get some really prescriptive answers about some things. Um, you know, I think on the world of data analysis, um, I laugh frequently because people talk about proprietary tools. There's not much that's proprietary except just doing it, you know, and then understanding what's in the analysis and being able to take those conclusions in a very coherent way to, you know, from a who they are, where they are, how do they consume media to a plan. And I think that's the piece, you know, that's, that's the challenging piece is how, how do you string it together to, you know, talk about how you want to go to market uh, differently. And, I, and, you know, the the word that we use internally for that process, by the way, is de-averaging. One of our goals today is to de-average things and um, look for, you know, areas where there's real breaks 
um, in, in consumption, real breaks in, you know, geographic penetration, real breaks in uh, product consumption, um, and to try to break them apart and treat them um, not as big clumps, but as segments that we need to treat differently. It's like a tapestry. And what we want to do is put that tapestry together and figure out the media and the messages and things that we need to do to reach you know, those audiences. Yeah, I love that. We did a uh, project a couple weeks ago for a group that, you know, five audiences, they're running uh, unique digital creative too. So that, you know, kind of, they all rolled up to one kind of big audience, but the, so we did a kind of a, uh, an averaging on the top audience, right? Media consumption and how we'd reach them. But then when we did each of the five, none of the five were even close to lining up to the average of the whole. So if we would apply that scenario to the, each of those audiences in the aggregate, maybe we would have been correct, but they would have all been a wrong allocation at the audience level. And that was really interesting for the, for the, uh, for our customers to see, because it just, um, they thought they'd be advanced by just looking at kind of convergent consumption to the, the big bucket. So. Absolutely. And, and by the way, one of the reasons I think I see your head nodding is I think running a political campaign is very similar to the way we approach things. Um, you know, you know, you have to think about your propensity to win and, you know, how much you're willing to spend to, to get those wins. Um, and, you know, um, you know, some businesses we work in are uh, zero sum games like a, a political race where, you know, it's binary. You know, you win or you lose other businesses. That's not the case. Um, and you're looking for incrementality. And that's a different question that you're trying to solve for. But political I mean, uh, we have a lot of clients that fall into the binary, you know, it's a share business and it's either you or, you know, the other company and you want it to be, you know, your client that wins that share. So. Absolutely. What do you think um, for your team, the biggest challenges are of um, both kind of working with customer data, but also just the convergence of, uh, you know, kind of video specific, the um, you put a kind of holistic plan together for, for your end client. That's a good question. Um, well, one is, you know, there aren't many tools from a planning perspective that kind of get you there. Um, I mean, you guys have certainly a fantastic tool. Um, there aren't many tools that kind of, you know, that are, I'd say, a modern tool. And I think we're start, just starting to see that. And I think that's the, the first piece, too, is I think they also a lot of the tools have biases towards uh, things that are not digital. Uh, and the other piece is the data in them is not very current. So there's a lot of triangulation first, I think, that occurs. And so a tool like MRI, for example, is a incredibly stable tool, but it, the data in it is not very current. The waves are, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, fairly, uh, there's some length of time between each wave. Um, the good news, it's stable. The bad news is if there's a new episode of, or new season of Stranger Things, it's not going to show up for a year and a half. And then the other side of it, you know, if you look at the Resonates, for example, fantastic tools, the way, you know, their product really leans very digital and it's fantastic and the questions are very current and the waves are every six weeks. You can really get incredibly good reads on things, but it has some digital bias associated with it, too. So I think it's about blending tools along those lines. Um, you know, I have some excitement for where the game is headed a little bit because I think there's going to be a layer 
of planning that we're going to be able to put on or layer of tools that we're going to be able to put on like a tool of tools that we're we'll able to put on top of things that will allow us to build some more modern planning, if you will, from a single lens. Um, you know, we're in the process right now of, of uh, helping one of our clients is Nielsen and we're helping them roll out Nielsen One. And I have lots of confidence in kind of where they're heading in terms of, you know, some of those things. And I realize the marketplace is, you know, there's some conflicted feelings of, about that. But I do believe, you know, they're going to be in a very good position because they have incredibly rich digital data. And I would argue that their, their linear data uh, still rich, uh, but at least it has the same lens. And I think that's, that's one piece that, you know, we're certainly looking at that. Um, tools like that. But I think, you know, the biggest piece for us is it's triangulation, Michael. I mean, I, there's not one tool that I kind of go, okay, you know, this is the the Oracle. Um, I will tell you, I think what we're trying to do, I think there are clients, I think the first decision you have to make is um, when you look at the consumption, when you look at who the consumer is and the consumption of media, one of the things that we're seeing, I'll give you an example, we had a client, a uh, piece of business that we won, and there was, some, there was a really interesting piece of data that came out of Resonate, which was 60% of their customers had cut the cord. And yet 60% of the media from, you know, that they were currently running was in linear. And so you, when you see that kind of big disjoint on that, it allows you to think about planning digital first and maybe your most targeted dollars to where you get to a point where you can get to a, you know, the diminishing return, the point of diminishing returns, and then layering on the linear piece. That's the piece. I think that's the process that we think about a lot is how do we flip the script on planning pieces of it? And I think the second piece is, you know, thinking about the measurement pieces, because oftentimes the measurements and afterthought, not a, not a thought in and front, like how are we going to measure success for this business? And thinking about that is, a, is another piece in terms of, you know, what do we want the consumer to do? How are we going to truly measure that we've, you know, you know, that there's a cause and effect in the business? And that's a second piece of it. And so we think a lot about the outcomes piece and how we're going to measure the outcomes and different clients are different. I mean, if it's a physical retailer, foot traffic, you know, uh, very important. Certainly isolating markets, uh, you know, and doing geographical testing, certainly MMM. Um, we're doing all those things um, for clients. So I think there's two pieces. That, what's funny to me is the planning piece and the measurement piece in some ways go very hand in hand in thinking about those things. And oftentimes they're very disconnected. We try to connect them on the front end. Yeah, it's, you know, coming out of political, you know, we kind of went back we built planning first um, and everyone else kind of built measurement first. And obviously we see the value today in kind of connecting the two because even a, just a progressive planning and, you know, your your second plan should be completely derived from your measurement results, right? Um, yes. And so, you know, that's kind of worldly, but it's interesting that the the market definitely went the other way. Um, I think it was for us coming, you know, incubating the product in an agency, that was our biggest problem, right? Was that we, um, you know, we started out and people wanted us to write, you know, the, our, our customer knew their broadcast budget, their cable budget and their, you know, digital video budget. 
and they wanted us to optimize those. And that was a pretty easy problem to solve. But the minute they said, okay, well, here's, you know, $10 million, tell me what to do in these 30 markets, that became really, you know, complex. And so that's why we went kind of planning first. But, um, you know, it's really interesting to see the market. For certain. And look, I mean, the, the, the beauty of what's happening right now is there is complexity. Um, you know, and I think the complexity piece uh, is very helpful for us, to be honest with you, because, you know, if, it's, if, if clients didn't need us, then, you know, we wouldn't have a job. So, um, but there is a lot of complexity right now. And um, so we need to focus on the handful of things that matter the most and focus on those things and really execute on those things. And I think one of them is picking the handful of, you know, partners that really matter, you know, uh, both on the on the media side, the measurement side, and even on the audience side. I mean, you can't do everything with everybody, but so what we try to do is lean in on the, on the folks that matter the most, that are gonna give our clients the most bang for the buck and go very deep with the most strategic partners. So again, um, you know, when I got in this business, I remember distinctly, uh, we, we had a client that uh, we were one of two agencies that serviced the client. And I remember seeing the media plans for this particular client and they were, you know, like 30 publishers deep. And when I looked at the bottom 10 or 15, I knew they all did the same thing. And I'm like, what is the point? What, what, you know, and so there are people that are building things to look complex. That's fine. But that, that, that's not solving complex problems, solving complex problems where you need big scale partners that you can go very deep on and do a handful of things really well. And then demonstrably prove that you can lift a business and demonstrably prove that you can, you know, um, that the, what you did was the cause uh, of that improvement. And that's very hard, <laughs> you know. I'm sure. What uh, kind of get you out of a couple more questions? But you know, you having such kind of vast experience uh, at Camelot. What has changed most about running an agency in recent years? That's a great question. Um, well, certainly, I would say, uh, you know, w the physical nature of an office um, is probably the thing that I think about night and day right now because you know that used to be the hub and that was a game changer for us i mean when the pandemic hit um we we went hybrid and we were um not very prescriptive about um whether people should come in or whether people should work from home we kind of let the chips fall a little bit um, we do program a lot of things and we want we do want people to come in when we have food and you know important speakers and things like that but I think that's the number one thing is the flexibility of it. Uh, that that's one piece. It's a lot less rigid in terms of you know um, that that piece. Um, I think the second piece is you know when you when you re remove geography, I'm just amazed at how much talent is around our industry and around our country uh, in the field that we're in, and there's a lot of really smart people. <laughs> And that's the, the other piece is that you realize that there, there are other craftspeople like you in and around the country. And that was sort of eye opening for me because I think everybody in this industry, we all live in our own ivory castle, um, you know, or ivory tower, excuse me. And 
um, you know, that was eye opening. You know, there, there's expertise in every part of the country. You know, you go from New York to Oklahoma City to Seattle to Southern California to Florida. I mean, we've got folks in 19 states and they care about the same thing we care about. And yet, you know, the only thing that removes us is time and distance. So, yeah, I mean, that's the I think that's the first piece that's really, really different. And with that comes you have to be a lot more intentional in, you know, when you get together. And you also have to be intentional. Like one of the things we strive for is to remove red tape from people, people's lives. You know, we don't want to be a big company or big agency in terms of the way we operate. We want to be very nimble and we we are very account centered. And so we try to make the nucleus of the agency those accounts uh, as well as the discipline that those individuals are a part of. And so we put a lot of emphasis on that. And that's the other thing is the disciplines in the agency have changed. Um, and over time, when I got here, you know, what was data is very different than what's, da uh, you know, data now. I mean, we have true, you know, data warehouse engineers. Um, we've got, you know, uh, data scientists. Um, you know, I'd say the division of labor has also changed quite a bit. We used to have, you know, jack of all trades uh, running various campaigns. We now have very specialized um, skill sets and craftspeople in, the, in those roles. Um, and I think that, you know, you need those craftspeople because they understand the nuance of the palettes that they're painting on. And, you know, whether it's someone that understands linear TV or local TV or, you know, a Facebook versus a TikTok, I mean, you need people that are real experts at those things. So that division of labor is very interesting. And, you know, the more fragmented that we get, the more fragmented our agency gets in that in that respect. But, you know, how do we make sure that we're doing cross uh, training to a certain extent and giving people a sense of what those various disciplines are? That's hard. Um, and we try to surface that stuff um, in a way that makes it come alive a little bit. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, kind of... Uh... Kind of one last industry question, um, in kind of our neighborhood, local specific. You know, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the local video space, what would it be? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think uh, if you were to talk to, um, well, first of all, local TV is in a tough spot right now. And I think, you know, probably the single biggest problem that most people deal with are, are ADUs and the under delivery on the local level. And I think that's probably the single biggest issue is we, our teams are spending vast more, vastly more time on po post buy, you know, than they are actually on the buy itself. And so I think on the, on the linear side, that would be the, the, the thing that I would look for. Um, and I think it, you know, there's, very complex local measurement between Comscore in some places and Nielsen other places. That that's another one. But I mean, I, I think um, I would love for you know I'm looking forward to the day when you can buy, you know, everything you you could see everything in a particular uh, platform um, and be able to buy, you know, a local linear TV ad alongside with a local uh, CTV or digital video and be able to see all that and be able to buy it in a way that you know you get your delivery. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, the look, local TV is really, really complex right now. Um, and I, and I think the delivery issue is, it's only going to exacerbate over the coming years. Um, it's not what it used to be. Um, now that being said, um, where we are waving the magic wand is on, on localized CTV. And in that world, there's a myriad, there's a myriad of inventory, not a myriad of, of quality inventory, but a myriad of, of certainly local impressions. And I think in that world, uh, it's, it's super complex too. And I would say removing complexity from that too uh, would be a huge part of what we're doing. So that is a buying challenge. Um, one of my peers uh, showed me uh, a Tableau graphic of one particular inventory partner and, and all the places where that particular inventory uh, is available. And my head almost blew off. Um, you know, and I think, and the other thing is that like, it's hard to tell the difference between what's in one place versus what's another place. And so the, the data around that is kind of gnarly. Um, and I would love to, I would love to, to, to create, you know, have some more simplistic approaches to that. But again, if it, if it wasn't complex, that probably wouldn't need us. So, yeah, that's a huge problem. All right. Well, knowing, uh, you're a huge soccer fan, I'll get you out here on this one last question. If you go wave magic wand and change one thing about the u.s soccer team for next world cup what would it be oh my gosh uh, that's a great one um oh boy uh look i mean i i would love to i'll tell you what i mean i thought uh, first of all I was, I was excited by the u.s team and i thought we did a great job this year um i i think i would love to see uh us play you know more of our international superstars I think that's a. I think you want your biggest players playing in your biggest games, and I don't think that was the case um, with the U.S. Um, and I think uh, they did an incredibly good job, but I, I still have a taste in my mouth of what could have been. And I would like to see our best players on the field, um, but I think um, you know the expectations are so high. I got to believe that's going to happen. Um, but man. U.S. soccer it feels like it's a little bit of a mess at the moment, and so um, you know, in terms of you know the coaching and some of the politics in and around the team. So, look, put the best players in the field, let them play. You know, yeah, World Cup's coming home next time. We got to be ready. Absolutely. You have a favorite player? Uh, I don't. I am kind of a uh, World Cup. Uh, I get really into it, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. You know, I do go to some of the qualifiers in D.C. or other places, but um, I kind of fall off and I don't follow international as much. Or, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of in that lull now. But uh, I, I mean, I, the excitement around uh, the event and just the quality of sport, even, you know, I'm, I'm from Ohio. And, you know, we've got uh, I remember you know, Columbus had the first soccer specific stadium in, in the country. And, you know, they've got a new venue and Cincinnati's got a new venue. And they're, I mean, amazing. They're like uh it's just incredible. Well, that's like that where the U.S. Going. loves to play qualifiers because there's a real advantage to playing, you know, deep into the fall in those places where the, those crowds are raucous and the weather yeah. is a little less kind to our South American or Central American foes. Yeah. <laughs> Last time, that was a nice trick we had. Yeah. Who was it? We play? Was it Costa Rica or who did we play in like uh, freezing? 
Yeah, that's right. We yeah we played. I, I want to say it was either Costa Rica or Jamaica or something like that. We played them. Yeah. It was like a inch of snow, and it was awful. Yeah. You know, but look, I mean, the inverse of that is you go to Jamaica and you're playing like on a high school field that's you know underwater. I yeah. mean, our region is really funky, and people don't realize. I mean, it it's a little bit of. You know, uh, if you're a fan of uh, slapstick, it's a little bit, you know, Johnstown-ish uh, when you go to some of those places. I mean, uh, and so it's pretty hard to get, it, was, it traditionally has been pretty hard to get out of the region because those places are just tough to play. So we try to fight fire with fire. We give them snow and cold weather. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I'm a huge college football fan. I, this new playoffs set up, I, I can't wait for, you know, Alabama or LSU to come to Ohio Stadium in December. I think that's going to be Pretty amazing. Oh, big time. Big time. And, you know, look, I mean, that's an area, I mean, sports, you talk about an area that's going to be really fun to watch over the coming years. My gosh, super stoked about that. I mean, I think, again, that's one of those ones where, there, you know, consumption is definitely going to change and sports is going to be the tip of the iceberg just because of the size of the audiences, you know, and the import of sports to the TV networks. And so going to be very, very interesting. Absolutely. Well, Sam, I've loved the conversation. I know our, uh, our audience is going to enjoy it. And so I, you know, I'm grateful for your time. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Wars. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find out more about Cross Screen Media at crossscreenmedia.com. Please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Cross Screen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.